Sister June, uh, for her courage in speaking of your faithfulness today and that testimony. Uh, and Lord, we hit, pray for more of that. Amen. Uh, this series has just started, but if you want to share a video like June, uh, do get in touch. And even if your psalm isn't featured in the series, we'd love, we'd love to hear more of these in church, wouldn't we? Uh, so do get in touch. Let's have more of that. Uh, wasn't that beautiful? Uh, what passion, what, what hope, what certainty our sister June displayed. Do you, see, do you see how beaten up her Bible was in her hand, almost falling apart? What a treasure for our sister. Uh, when I met June, uh, I said that, that she could even preach this sermon. Um, so enthusiastic she was about this psalm. It's such a beautiful psalm, isn't it? I don't know what you thought about when Dermot read it to us, but so beautiful. Uh, so full of, of the riches of God's grace and, and blessings, so full of his promises to us. It's wonderful to hear, hear June's testimony of, of God's faithfulness to her and to her family during this last year. But if we're honest, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm honest, there's something about this psalm that's a bit jarring. Especially when we read these words against the, the realities of our present day experiences. If you have a Bible in front of you, do, do open it and do look down to, to verse 3. The psalmist writes this, Surely the Lord will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. And as you cast your eyes down a bit further, verses 5 to 7, uh, let me read this to us. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plagues that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Pestilence. That's a bit of an old word. Does anyone know what the word pestilence means? Plague. Thank you, um, uh, Norma. Yes, uh, it means a fatal epidemic disease. Huh. For over a year and a half, uh, the world has been in the grip of a major pestilence, a global epidemic disease, which has, according to the World Health Organization, caused around two and a quarter million deaths worldwide and over 130,000 deaths in this country. I wonder how closely you have felt COVID stalking in the darkness around you. Your friends, your family. Has the disease struck in your own household? Have you suffered with it yourself? Verse 3 again, surely the Lord will save you from the deadly pestilence. I mean, if you're sitting here and listening to this today, I imagine this is true, that you have been saved from the pestilence, being able to come to church. But what about those who haven't? Does this mean they did not dwell in the Most High? I know of brothers and sisters that I can attest to being faithful brothers and sisters who have died as a result of contracting COVID. I'm sure we all do. Does this mean they did not love the Lord, as verse 14 says? Is that why this promise failed? These are obvious questions. And for many of us, uh, these day-to-day -day realities of what we're going through taints how we hear this psalm and psalms like it. They're going to turn some of our Lord's most precious promises into cheap hallmark cards 
or throwaway statements divorced from the realities of our real world circumstances. But brothers and sisters, as we spend the next 15 minutes or so uh, looking at this together, we will be shown by God that his words are true and are relevant and precious in each and every circumstance. Because if you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised that you will find rest in him. If you dwell in the Lord's shelter, he has promised you that you will find rest in him. So let's dive in. Verse 1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. There's there's an animated movie series that my family and I like to watch, probably me more than my family. Uh, How to Train a Dragon, has anyone here seen that? A few hands. A few hands. It's great. If you haven't seen it, no matter what age you are, it's great. Enjoy it. Uh, the beginning of the second movie, we, we come to realize that there's some great threats in the world of dragons. Some great evil It is snatching dragons and taking them away and enslaving them. And, and the scenes in the movie become moody and, and dark. And, and you get a real sense that there's a, there's a looming threat, a danger in the world. And then there's a scene where, where our hero, his name's Hiccup, uh, is led into a huge cavern. And when he enters it, he, he finds this, this lush paradise with, with waterfalls cascading over high mountain peaks. And, and there are gorgeous trees and flowers blossoming and blooming all around and, and soft mosses everywhere. It's just it's lush, it's beautiful, it's, it's a stunning paradise. And as Hiccup looks into this cavern, looks around him, he sees thousands, thousands of dragons just, just flying around and frolicking and, and playing and having fun. You see, out there... In the world, dragons are hunted, are captured, are enslaved. It's dark, it's, it's, it's gloomy, it's a nightmare. But here, in this cavern, it's like a paradise. It's a different world. It's, it's fun and there's life and there's light and it's joy-giving and it's bright. And, and there's even baby dragons playing around without a care in the world. And then as, as Hiccup walks deeper into this cavern, he, he looks down into the belly of this paradise. And there he sees the most absolutely ginormous dragon who almost fills this entire space. He's called the Alpha. He's huge. Why is it these dragons in this cave are so relaxed, are, are so at ease when there's a real threat in the world out there? Because of the Alpha. Because these dragons trust in the protection this big dragon, this alpha, can give them. They feel secure and safe. This almighty dragon can give them everything. They literally live in the shadow of this almighty dragon. That's a little bit, a little bit like what this psalmist is trying to describe at the start of Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Like the Almighty God is just that, almighty. Nothing is out of his reach. Nothing is beyond his control. Like a giant alpha dragon of the movie, he's so great, so powerful, so mighty is our God that that he eclipses, covers over completely all our fears. We will find deep, nourishing, soul-giving, life-giving rest in his shadow if, brothers and sisters, if 
we dwell in God's shelter. He's our fortress and our refuge, verse 2. Imagine a strong, high, fortified city with, with high, impenetrable walls. This is what our Lord is. Did you notice that? He's not like a fortress, no. He is my fortress. Our God in whom we trust, if, brothers and sisters, if we dwell in God's shelter. When someone comes to trap you, it's nothing. When the deadly pestilence comes, it's nothing. Why? Because, brothers and sisters, he will save you. He will save you if, if you dwell in God's shelter. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings. You will find refuge, verse 4. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know about you, my, my mind goes straight to, I'm reminded of, of, of Jesus, our Lord, saying to the crowds and the disciples in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often, isn't this beautiful, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Oh, the tenderness of Jesus, the tenderness of our God to cover us, to embrace us, to, to comfort us with his warming embrace, to, to enfold us in his love, protecting our eyes from the horrors of the world out there, whilst at the same time comforting us, bringing us close to himself. Under his wings you will find refuge if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. But these aren't some, some flimsy, uh, 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 soft, easily torn feathers like a chicken. No, what does it say? They're a shield to us, surrounding us and protecting us because he is faithful. Like he was faithful to Abraham, like he was faithful to Jacob, like he was faithful to Israel, bringing them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great uh, uh, terror and signs and wonders like he was faithful to Israel, sustaining them in the wilderness and bringing them into the promised land, just as he promised in his faithfulness. Like he was faithful to David, God is faithful, brothers and sisters, to his promises. And he has proved his faithfulness once and for all in sending his son, our Lord Jesus, just as he promised millennia before. Sorry, I'm shouting lots, aren't I? He was faithful. He is faithful. And he will be your shield and your rampart if, brothers and sisters, you've got to hear this, if you dwell in God's shelter. And my, my daughter, she used to have nightmares, awful nightmares. She still has them sometimes. And she'd often wake up in the night uh, screaming and, and nothing, nothing could settle her. And so I'd climb into her bed in my tiredness and I'd wrap my arms around her and in my embrace and in my presence, it would help lift her out of her nightmare and drift her back to sleep. If you're a parent, you might know this experience. Because in my presence, in my embrace in that night, she felt safe. No terrors of the night could make her afraid because I was with her, holding her. God will do the same for us. No fear at night. 
No sharp arrows of the day hunting you down. Night and day you will not be afraid if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. When the pestilence stalks you in the darkness, when COVID creeps by your bed, you will not be afraid. When the plague comes for you in the day, you won't be afraid. Night and day, you won't be afraid if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. If you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised you will find rest in him. Verse 9 and 10, if you say, the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near you. Brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised, he's promised that you will find rest in him. He will even, come on, get this, he will even command his angels concerning you, verse 11. Can you believe it, church? His angels. The writer to the Hebrews writes in, in chapter 1, verse 14, he asked a hypothetical question. Are not the angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Can you imagine, church? God commands his angels concerning us to minister to us, to serve us. If, brothers and sisters, if we dwell in God's shelter, lions and serpents, you'll trample them. They're nothing. Even the great lion, beast and serpents often represent an evil attack in the Old Testament. But the psalmist says you will be victorious over the most deadly foe. You will trample them if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. You know, as I, I read verses 11 and 12, you, you probably went here as well. My mind was taken to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by the devil, that great serpent where the devil uses these exact words, this exact psalm, to test the faithfulness of God, his Father, against Jesus. In those 40 days, the devil terrorized Jesus. He stalked Jesus. He attacked Jesus, trying to get Jesus to sin. But God was Jesus' refuge and fortress. Jesus found rest in his shadow. Jesus was covered by God's wings, so Jesus did not fear the evil one. And his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. Jesus may not have tested God's faithfulness to this psalm when the devil tempted him. But once the devil had left him, do you know what God did for Jesus? He sent his angels to attend to Jesus, to, to minister to him. Matthew chapter 4 verse 11. And when Jesus wrestled with the frailty of his own mortality to do the will of his father that night in Gethsemane where he literally sweat blood trying to submit himself to the will of his father and his plan before eternity, do you know what God did? He sent an angel from heaven to strengthen Jesus, to minister to him. Luke chapter 22 verse 43. And God will command his same angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. It's a promise from God if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. 
And these aren't just the psalmist's words. These aren't the, the random musings of a man maybe inspired by God. Because at the end of the psalm, God himself speaks. And God himself makes astounding pledges to us. Look with me at verse 14 onwards. These are God himself speaking. I will rescue him. Let's, let's say you. I will rescue you. I will protect you. I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Brothers and sisters, these are the words of God himself, his promises. These are his actual promises to us if, brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter. What protection, what, what security. No matter what we face night and day, God will rescue us, will protect us, will comfort us, will answer us, will be with us, will deliver us, and even command his angels concerning us if we dwell in God's shelter. If you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised, brothers and sisters, he's promised. He's promised that you will find rest in him. This is what rest looks like. This is real, pure, true, life-giving, soul-nourishing rest. That whatever happens, whatever we face, whether COVID by night or, or the deadly arrows of the evil one by the day, we are safe secure, protected, comforted, like a giant alpha dragon, bringing us safety, security, and peace. If you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised that you will find rest in him. But I mean, if that's true, I'd never be worried or anxious about anything. I mean, would you? So why am I still anxious? Why is it sometimes at night, I'm up till three in the morning, finding it hard to go to sleep? Why do I sometimes feel vulnerable and helpless? Why do I worry so much for my family? Why is it that Christians are being struck down by COVID, this deadly pestilence, if this psalm is true? Is it because we don't truly dwell in the shelter of the Most High, heaven forbid. Look, we know from our time in the book of Job recently that this is a fallen and broken world. And we are living day to day with the frailties of our own mortality and the sin of ourselves and others around us. That even the most righteous person, even Job, is not protected from evil and calamity. It's not how God works. In fact, brothers and sisters, Jesus tells us clearly that if we believe in him, we will face persecution. That we will be attacked by the world and the devil. It's a promise Jesus makes to Christians. I mean, look at Jesus. No one ever felt in the shelter of the Most High more securely than Jesus did. And no one ever will. Yet, Jesus faced great darkness. Jesus was truly tormented by night and by day. The arrows of the evil ones struck him and he was lifted up. Not on the hands of angels, no. By the hands of his executioners and nailed to a Roman cross. 
but it was in his death that Jesus did trample the serpent, just as God promised a descendant of Eve would do thousands and thousands of years before. Jesus crushed the devil because God is faithful to his promises. Sometimes God will protect us physically and sometimes he will save us from the deadly pestilence like he has done for our sister June and her family and our men for that. But if you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised that you will find rest in him. The rest of knowing that whatever happens, whatever attacks you, whatever plagues you, whatever torments you, from COVID to the devil, God has done everything that is needed to grant you long life, verse 16, and eternal life, and show you his salvation, verse 16. God may rescue physically in this life, and I pray that he does, and so should you. We believe in a, a powerful, miracle-working God. But ne- let us never forget that God has rescued each and every one of us from the hell our sins deserve by sending his son to take our punishment if we dwell in God's shelter. And God will protect you. Jesus will hold on to you so tightly in his powerful universe-creating grip that not even that snake the devil can snatch you from his hand. That's a promise from God to you. And he is faithful to his promises. Does this mean we're never afraid? Now, I'm only speculating here, but I think it's the right speculation. As I read the Gethsemane account with Jesus wrestling with God, in agony, sweating blood, to have the the gruesome torture of the cross and the unbearable separation from his father removed, I get the feeling that Jesus was afraid of what was coming. I hope that's heretical to say. The agony, the anguish, the punishment due to the whole world for our sins was about to be laid upon God himself. And he would experience a kind of rejection from the most loving, perfect relationship with his father and his spirit being forsaken. And as I read the Gethsemane account with Jesus sweating blood and crying out over and over again for this cut to be removed, I get the sense that there was fear there. But in his fears, knowing what lied ahead of him, Jesus trusted his Father God. He committed himself into his Father's hands, his promise-keeping, faithful Father Jesus' fears did not paralyze him, but as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he knew God was with him. God's staff and rod were comforting him, to quote another psalm. As Jesus approached the cross, he found rest in his Father God, even singing psalms from the cross. Because despite knowing the horrors that awaited him, Jesus dwelt in God's shelter. Brothers and sisters, if you dwell in God's shelter, he has promised, he's promised that you'll find rest in him. So the big question, how do we dwell in God's shelter? What does that look like? 
Three simple things the psalmist says. Firstly, trust him, verse 2. Trust God. Look at all he has done. Read the Bible and see his faithfulness to Israel. See his faithfulness to you in Jesus. Look at how he has kept his promises. Our God is a God you can trust because he has sent his son. And he is faithful to his promises. So trust him. Secondly, love him, verse 14. Love him. If if trust, we might say, is an intellectual assent to all that God has promised, even when the world around us is telling us that something different, to love him is to give ourselves fully to him, to delight in him, to take pride in him, to, to not be ashamed of him, to know that he loves you and will always do what is best for you because he loves you. And don't just say you love him. Don't just sing you love him. But actually love him by making time to be with him in his word and in prayer and among his people in church. By taking an interest in the things that he is interested in. By being upset by the things that upset him. By avoiding the things that he says are sinful. If I say I love my wife but never talk to her, or read her messages when she writes to me, or care about the things that she cares about, or choose to do the things that are the opposite to what she says are good. There's something not right there, isn't there? So love him. And thirdly, the third thing, acknowledge his name, verse 14. Acknowledge his name. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to all those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 3, 18. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 13. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, You will be saved. For, as Jude writes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acknowledge his name, the name of Jesus, his one and only Son. And if you haven't yet, believe in his name today. Call upon him today. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise from God to you and he is faithful to his promises. Brothers and sisters, this is how you dwell in God's shelter. You trust him, you love him, you acknowledge his name. The precious name of Jesus that brings life, that brings peace and that brings rest. Brothers and sisters, dwell in God's shelter For he has promised, he's promised that you will find rest in him. Please bow your heads to pray. Father God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you're a speaking God. That we don't have to guess how to follow you. We don't have to guess what's right by you. We don't have to guess what you promise us. But instead we see clearly in your word your promises. We thank you that you're a promise-keeping God. We thank you for for June's testimony of your goodness to her and her promises. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus. 
Help us, Father, in the midst of this pestilence to trust in your promises. By your spirit, equip and empower us to dwell in your shelter. That in spite of our circumstances, we would always trust you. That we would love you and we would acknowledge the name of Jesus. Father God, for those of us for whom trust is a hard thing today, provide around us brothers and sisters who will lift our eyes to you, who will carry us to you that we will find salvation in you. We thank you that we receive long life in you, that you satisfy us. We thank you for your, your wings and your feathers, for your shield around us. Lord, we thank you and we love you. Thank you, Lord. Be with us this day and always we pray. And lead us to you if we don't know you as Lord. Amen.